Serie A fans, benvenuti, welcome to the Total Football Analysis Serie A podcast. I'm your host, Daniele Proc, talking to you from Italy. I'm observing Serie A from very close, although not too close, unfortunately, as fans are still not allowed in stadiums. Joining me, like always, is Chris Mumford, the EPL podcast host. I have to tell you guys, he really enjoys escaping his EPL world to talk Italian culture with me, don't you, Chris? <laughs> I absolutely love it. Uh, City A gives some parody. Parody is a dirty world in the EPL, but parody is a good thing in, uh, in City A as far as I can tell. Chris, we're back after a couple of weeks and I realized that the thick schedule of this 2020-21 season makes it hard to coordinate. You're in the US, I'm in Italy, Serie A plays on weekend and there are seven Italian teams playing midweek games from Tuesday to Thursday. So we obviously don't record during game time. So that leaves us with, what, Monday to record. Let's not forget you're teaching. I am training on a daily basis. In spite of that, I appreciate you making time to talk about Serie A, which, from the looks of it, might be the most unpredictable of the top five European leagues this year. Would you agree? I agree completely. And I like, you know, Juve Juventus is having some significant trouble. You start to see the formation in the Premier League the usual suspects are starting to end up at the top um, of the table, right? The Manchester teams are starting to elevate. Only Arsenal uh, is, is left to languish in the, uh, the <laughs> lower part of the table. But City A, come on, AC, the, the Milan teams are having fun. Sassuolo, Napoli, Roma, there's, there's some great, great storylines there and some awesome tactics, So let's go in order. Let's work our way down from the top and uh, leading Serie A with seven wins, two draws and zero losses are AC Milan, who this week won at home 2-0 against Fiorentina despite missing a few key elements. First and foremost, their coach, Stefano Pioli out with COVID and then Zlatan Ibrahimovic due to injury. What does this, what does this win tell you, Chris, about AC Milan, uh, the youngest a team by average age in Europe's top five leagues. Have they come of age? Are they mature enough to do what we thought that was unthinkable at the beginning of the season, which is making a run for the 2020-21 Scudetto? I think my take is the following. One game isn't going to give you a whole lot, but the fact is, and this is James Horncastle reminded me this mm. this weekend, that... Uh, AC Milan has won six times out of the last 26 where they haven't lost any matches. They've only won and tied. So, yeah, AC Milan is the real deal. You know, can, can they survive with, uh, with Ibra out for six weeks? Probably not as well. But for two weeks, three weeks, the talent is starting to really come of age. And I will tell you, there is so much talent on AC Milan there. I think there's so much young talent in City A in general that, that are getting the minutes. And that to me makes for a very exciting league. And you start to have to have, begin the conversation that Milan may be the real deal. And what struck me about the game is that they basically uh, put the game away in the first half. Um, it was 2-0. It was a header by uh, Captain Alessio Romagnoli. There was a PK converted by Frank C who, you know what, he could be the, um, he was going to become the, the first taker in AC Milan, but what happened then, he missed the second PK of the game. So we'll see what happens when, uh, when Ibrahimovic comes back. 
But then, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, uh, we're talking about the stats of the game before. AC Milan had a, a way higher expected goals than Fiorentina, something like 3.4 against the, the 0.4 of Fiorentina. So it was a deserved win. And uh, I think it really showed the maturity that this team, despite being very young, has, has reached, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the truth is, is that um, Milan were, was happy to let Florentina keep most of possession, 55% possession with, with um, Florentina. Um, that being said, Milan had 15 shots versus um, Florentina's five. Um, and there were f- four on target for Milan and two for, for Florentina. So two goals against four shots, that's a, that's a nice, you know, it's, it really struck me as a nice, comfortable win without your talisman. And that's, you've got to be able to do that if you want to win leagues. Have you uh, changed your mind about, your, uh, about AC Milan's keeper, Gianluigi Donnarumma? Uh, how have you seen him perform this year, Chris? Because last year you had a couple of remarks, <laughs> obviously jokingly, well, but you did have a couple of remarks about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the truth is, we, I don't think we've ever doubted whether he was the real deal or not. Um, that part is, is, is the case. But, you know, I, I think that from a, there's some upside for him in terms of improving his distribution. Uh, you know, he's a great shot stopper. Um, so can't, can't say much about that. And the truth is, is his shot stopping has, has kept him within the top five keepers in City A uh, for this season. Uh, so hats off to him for now. Um, but, you know, I, I think the really interesting question is going to start to be, are they, are they going to be able to re-sign him? Uh, I was going to get there. I was going to yeah. get there. He's currently yeah. on a six million a year salary and his agent, Mino Raiola, who is one of the savviest football agent, um, he says that he said that he wants to uh, bump it up to nine million and the club seems willing to just uh, reach the 7.5 million. So somewhere halfway between uh, what the two parts initially offered. But if, the, if a deal is not reached, it looks like he could leave Milan. I don't personally think it's going to happen. I think that they're going to keep him just because of the potential he still has to grow, like you said, um, whether it's distribution, whether it's other parts of his game. This guy is still 21 years old. Um, what, what is your opinion on that? Would you, do you see him staying in the um, red and black side of, uh, of Milan? The interesting question is, I don't know of how many, let's say, top shelf European, top five European teams are in the market for a goalkeeper like him. You know, uh, he is second in Serie A. Silvestri is number one at, in, in the category of preventing goals per 90. Mm-hmm. Donnarumma is number two. Uh, and then the numbers start, move down considerably um, with folks below there. The fact that he's 21 is so striking because if you look at the other top keepers and they all tend to be in their late 20s or early 30s. So I think there are going to be accommodations made. I would imagine that Donnarumma and his agent are going to have to accept a lower price because the market's changed. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see anybody that's going to have the budget him to go someplace else so if you don't have a stalking horse or you don't have a mistress if you will 
then you're not going to, you're not going to be showed the money. That's a good point. Uh, Juventus was held back again, fifth draw in the Serie A season for the Bianconeri, most of any other Serie A team. This time they were held back at Benevento and uh, after Alvaro Morata's goal gave Juventus the lead, Benevento came back with a nice volley by Gaetano Letizia. Juventus didn't win and Ronaldo didn't travel. Chris, you see any causal relation there? Well, it's, uh, one doesn't have to be a genius in football to realize that <laughs> Ronaldo gets paid a lot of money because he delivers. And, uh, you know, there is something to be said about City A, about an over-reliance on, on one particular player. You can, you can make that argument for AC Milan. You could make it for Inter. You could make it for, for Juve. So I, I just feel like Juve is... Uh, I don't know if the word is complacent. It could be just tired, right? They, they're, they're doing a lot of traveling back and forth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't think that it's, I don't think it's ever going to be about the system at Juve. That's not their model. Their model is, is about finding the best players they can in, um, in, in, in Italy. So I just, that system isn't going to bed in really until February or March, in my opinion, for you to really understand what, what the, mar the manager thinks, largely because if you're playing two times a week, you've got two recovery days, you've got two days before the matches, that leaves for maybe one day to work on patterns of play. And I just, that, that's not going to happen. So what's, they're going to live and die by Ronaldo going forward. I, I wish I could say that was genius and surprising. It's not, but that's kind of the way it is. That's reality. We always go back to talking about it because it's true. But the one word that I have for you for Juventus is experimenting because Pirlo is experimenting a lot of things. I like how he's throwing young guys uh, into the starting lineups. However, like you said, there's no time to train. You're traveling. You're playing in Europe. You're coming back, and then again, you're traveling to a uh, to a game on the other side of uh, of Italy. Uh, there's no time to experiment. So it's hard for PLO's new ideas to uh, be efficient right away. And at a team like Juventus, uh, you have to be efficient right away. So I think that's what's, what's happening. Um, going back to the Ronaldo topic, uh, they could have used him because uh, whether it's true that Morata scored the first goal, by the way, nice goal. Uh, he had the ball on his right foot and uh, he faked a shot Uh, cut back on his left and then just uh, struck the ball across. Very nice goal of a, uh, of a real striker. But in the second half, he missed that header, which was a clear sitter. The, the keeper was out of his line and it was really a header from zero meters. A great pass from Chiesa, who, by the way, has the most assists in the league with four alongside uh, Roma's Mkhitaryan. But... Um, I don't know, Chris, Ronaldo not traveling. I feel like it's his decision because we know how he likes to pace himself. But with Juventus already through in the Champions League group, why didn't he prioritize uh, a Serie A game over this Tuesday game that Juventus has in Champions League? I, I think it's human nature, right? You win a competition nine years in a row. You think, oh, we'll be able to pick this up. Champions League is more eyeballs. There's more money in terms of sponsorship. I, I don't know. I can, I can easily see the business reasons and commercial reasons um, in terms of speculation. 
I don't really know what, what's going on in, in, in the locker room there, but I, does anybody really think that Juve is, is out of the city of Scudetto? I don't. No, I don't it's, it, it, they're not out, but this year it, it's so, it's so random, so unpredictable that mm-hmm. uh, dropping points may uh, prove really uh difference maker at the end right now they're sitting at 17 six points from milan uh were first with 23 and uh, uh one point to sassuolo and inter milan um they still have the best defense in the league alongside verona with only seven goals considered but five draws it's it's what in uh, italian in the italian football world we we would call the paregite which is like the disease of draws which which is what they used to call uh, the teams that will get second or third because instead of winning, uh, they would just get a lot of draws, draw draws, and draws only move the 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 table, move you up the table one point, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, look, dropping points against the the so-called smaller teams. I don't know. I don't see uh, this to be Juventus' identity. I do think it's because, like I said, it's Pirlo is experimenting. And he, unfortunately for him, this year is so weird. He doesn't have the time to experiment. But um, eventually, Juventus will be top three. And, but this year, I don't know if they're going to be able to claim another, uh, the 10th Scudetto in a row. Well, I'm inclined to agree with you. That's why I'm so excited to be doing mm-hmm. this podcast and, and kind of ride this journey out called 2021 um, season. I, I will say that Juve... Their challenge, particularly in terms of of, um, of working with younger players, is beating teams that are going to be in the low block, right? And mm-hmm. you don't have a Ronaldo to un- unwind that. I do think that the Scudetto is going to be determined by head-to-head matchups amongst the top three or four because they are kind of six-point swings. And you don't want to bleed out two points against lower-level teams, but it's it's a grind right it we know it's a grind playing low block teams and then you put that on top of all the travel and then you put that on top of uh folks being out for two to three weeks due to covid uh and you, you, we have the season that we do right now so i think as long as juve stays within within striking distance i'll be curious to see if they're their energy levels goes up um, once we get past the group stages in the next couple of weeks. And then we can kind of see where they are, but you're right. We're getting to a point where you can start to see trends right now. Inter beat uh, Sassuolo 3-0 away at Sassuolo. Romano Lukaku was on the bench with the wind and Azzurri caught up with Sassuolo at 18, jumping in second position in the table. Uh, Inter, who showed one more time to have a lethal attack as they have the most goals in Serie A with 23 goals in nine matches, averaging more than 2.5 goals per game. And yet, Chris, the lack of consistency by Inter and the disappointment so far of their Champions League run have been a reason for criticism against Antonio Conte's men, right? Um, We were also revisiting the Real Madrid game a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but looking at the bigger picture, Chris, what doesn't work for Inter and why do they sometimes underperform and other times uh, pull off convincing wins? Well, let's break it, break it down into pieces. So Sassuolo, who has really started to capture the, the, hipster, um, the <laughs> hipster football fan, uh, you know, they, they play a very attractive football 
right? Very possession oriented, lots of press, lots of youth. You know, they, they had 63% possession uh, on, on the weekend against Inter. But Inter is at a point where it's like, when they want to eat, they go eat, right? So the truth is, is that Sissuolo had 10 shots, 13 shots actually, on, uh, of which three were on target. Mm. Inter had 10 shots, two shots on target. And they scored um, three yeah, goals because because one was a was a known goal by by Kirikas. Does that make sense? That's right. But but you think about how ruthlessly efficient Inter is, right? They're like, go ahead and take possession of the ball. It was kind of a classic Conte sort of um, uh, defensive scheme, and Sassuolo played right into it. And you know, I, I think if Sassuolo had another. 50 million euros, they could maybe go and fix that problem. You know, go go bring in a kind of a big talent striker, right? I, I think a Calvani would have done beautifully in a place like that. But, Cal, of course, Calvani wants to play in, in, um, in Champions League football. So, you know, I just – I think they're a very exciting team to watch. I like how when Inter, it was time to get the job done, they got the job done. Now, let's pull that up to Champions League. Mm -hmm. They lost twice against Real Madrid. Okay. I don't think there's any shame to that. You know, could they have done better in those matches? There is shame to Arturo Vidal with uh, getting that stupid red card. I mean, 33 years of age, you don't do that. You That's a fair that. comment. Yep. That's a fair comment. Um, and and you, you would think that things would have been different. Um, Though that's been his MO everywhere he's played. So you, you bought, you get what you buy, right? Yep. Um, now, in terms of tying Montengladbach and Shakhtar, um, that is the head scratcher right there. Mm -hmm. You would have think they would have taken care of business there where now they're not necessarily in control of their destiny. Some teams have to lose, right? And they have to, they have to win it on out. So that, that part of the inconsistency, I can see, keep in mind, that's two matches, right? Two matches in a busy season. You could probably justify that. As far as their Serie A uh, play, I mean, the truth is they're second in, 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 in the division, which is great, right? That's kind of where, where, where you want to be. And frankly, I don't know if you want to be first this early in the season. Uh, <laughs> better to lay low unless you're AC Milan, right? But hey, shout out to the Milanese teams, number one, number two, right? Back just like the old days. So I, I don't, you know, there's, there's some discussions going about, on about coaching uh, at Inter. What, what's your take on that? Let, let me, let me um, uh, tell you my take on, on what you just said. Uh, through that, shout out to the uh, teams in Milan, like mm -hmm. the, the golden age of the uh, 90s and early 2000s. Um, About uh, about Inter, uh, they're in a very tough pos tough position in Champions League. Like you said, they're not uh, in control of their destiny anymore because now they have to travel to Mönchengladbach, win there, and then they have to win the remaining game while hoping that Mönchengladbach lose against uh, uh, Real Madrid. The thing is, yes, they're second in the league, but with that roster, I still think that it's not enough because true. They have been a little unlucky with the COVID cases, but they really can 
uh, line up, Conte can line up two starting formations. And that's not, it sounds like cliche, it's not. They really have so many players they can um, have their bench play as another 11. So true their second, but still, I would have guessed after the transfer uh, window, after what they did and uh, who they bought, who they signed, I would have thought they uh, they'd have done better. Chris, about Conte. So many have said that Conte may not eat the panettone. Okay, let me explain this. Panettone is a typical Christmas dessert in Italy. It's made with bread, eggs, fruit, butter, raisin. And not eating the panettone, it's a widely used metaphor in the Italian football world to indicate that a manager is likely to get fired before Christmas. Okay, mm-hmm. does it make sense? So he will not eat the Christmas dessert, basically. Mm-hmm. Would you do that to Conte, considering Inter's ups and downs? But more realistically, taking into account that Conte, he takes up a net 12 million euros in salary a year, which is by far the highest in Serie A. My read is this. When you bought Conte, you knew exactly what you were going to get, right? Mm-hmm. He stayed true to his brand. He hasn't changed right? You knew what style of football he was going to play. You knew what tactics were. And quite honestly, I, I think that bringing on Ibra has extended Conte's career at Inter uh, for the foreseeable future. I, the money's already been... Uh, sorry, I meant to say Lukaku uh, uh, in terms of, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my, my point is, is that... Um, if we know what his style of play is, we knew that he was going to be um, cranky and we knew that he was going to be very demanding um, in terms of the players mm-hmm. and the team is in, in second place. So I just, Erickson hasn't worked out. So there've been a couple of things that haven't been sorted out, but I don't, I don't, why, why do you fault a, a turtle for being a turtle? Right? Why do you fault an eagle for being an eagle? Because the turtle or the eagle, true, uh, it's very specific in the way <laughs> it behaves, I guess, but it would always yield results. Okay, true, in the league, there's still seconds, but that's a disappointing almost elimination from Champions League. And with that roster, I don't think it's admissible. I think that uh, Conte is known for pulling off results, even though. Uh, despite not always being uh, pretty in their in his playing style, and now it looks like Inter are gonna have to just focus on the league, which is fine. If they if five months from now they win the league, everybody's going to forget about this time when they get eliminated from from Champions League, uh, if they get eliminated. But it's yeah, just, you know, it's a process. You have to also see if there's something wrong in the process. And right now, it's just not flowing as well as. I think most football fans were expecting. Well, the truth is, you got, the Champions League is a six-game season in group stages, right? Mm-hmm. So anything can happen in six games. And there, there have been some other notable teams in the past that it, have not made it past group stages where if you ran the simulation 100,000 more times, you know they, they would get through without any troubles at all. I, I I wouldn't put all of it on Champions League. If we remember last year, uh, Inter was in a it was in a different competition, right? So they're they're now at at the the adult table, 
and they <laughs> underperformed, right? So I think the runway is going to be a little bit longer for Inter. I hope that Inter fans don't get too upset. They want too much too fast because that has been the reason why Inter has not been successful in the last decade is people wanted results too quickly, too fast. And it just, it doesn't happen like that in the real, the, the days of spending so much money to make that happen, it doesn't work anymore. And you know what? Uh, if they do get knocked out of Champions League early, they'll have more time to focus on just area, which in this crazy season, it, it means still playing every seven days and sometimes still playing even every three days. So it's still going to be enough um, to worry about for Conte's men. Let's jump to the big match of the weekend. Um, that was uh, the Sunday night game, the Posticipo, which saw Napoli battle Roma. Roma was torn apart by absences and injuries, and they also lost two starting players for injury in the first half, Jordan Veretout and Gianluca Mancini. But Chris, this all sounds like excuses in the face of a clear 4-0 victory by Napoli, a poker, which the club dedicated to Diego Armando Maradona. Chris, has saw Roma being quite distracted defensively, especially in the first half. Uh, they gave away a couple of dangerous balls in the back. Were they just mentally unprepared or were Napoli just too in the zone for Roma? My take is that, that Napoli was just, they were really fired up about this in terms of uh, there were 133 duels in total in the, in the match, 75 of which were, were won by, by Napoli. Uh, just you look at the, the degree of effort, possession was pretty even, but Napoli had 13 shots, eight of which were on target, right? Accuracy. Uh, and, and so uh, while he's at Roma had eight shots of which only one was on target. So it's mm. hard to score a lot of goals if you have only one shot on target. And I just feel that Napoli's 4-3-3 matched up very well against Roma's 3-4-3. And the, all the emotion was manifested uh, in, in Napoli. And I think that's kind of what you got to do. And if you're Roma, you have to just dust yourself off and, and start thinking ab about the next match. Just an anecdote about um, Napoli's warm-up. They warmed up on the notes of uh, Live is Life, the mm -hmm. song that um, there's a, a famous clip of Maradona um, mm -hmm. with his shoes unlaced, just uh, juggling the ball on his head, on his shoulder, uh, keeping it in balance on his nose when he was playing at Napoli. I think he was at in Munich against um, uh, Bayern Munich, and that song came up in the warm up. Life is life, la 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 la. And uh, the legend says that um, all the players, Napoli and Bayern Munich players, they both stopped and just admired what Maradona was doing. Uh, during the warm-up because it was so fired up by the, by the notes of that, of that song. So Napoli warmed up um, this past weekend against Roma on that, uh, on that song just as a way to, to honor uh, their number 10. Chris, Lorenzo Insigne, Fabian Ruiz, Matteo Politano, and Dries Mertens were the, the four guys that scored. So Napoli were able to score four without their, uh, their number nine, Victor Rosiman. And... Um, I like, what I like about Napoli's front players is that Lozano, Insigne, Mertens, Politano, they, none of them clears the 5-7 mark. So what I like about that is that they don't rely on, on one guy, like we were saying. They don't rely on an Ibrahimovic, a Morata, a Lukaku. They just 
go they just break through defenses with quick plays combinations cuts uh, uh dummies uh body feints and i think that's just what makes napoli different and even exciting um sometimes i just like enjoy watching napoli because of that it gives you something different as a viewer yeah i and imagine if napoli had a Giroud um to give a target to those fantastic midfielders I think that are you that spoiling be, some uh, some transfer rumors from uh, that <laughs> we should know about? <laughs> my, my sources tell me no. I, I I wish Napoli had more money to be able to invest into that. Um, of course, um, you know Giroud wants minutes. He preferred Champions League, but I'm sure he'd be happy to settle for Europa. You know, I will tell you the other part of the story is uh, the 37 year old keeper for Roma, Mirante. Mm-hmm. He he just, he didn't have a very good game. And, you know, you had one goal and then a second goal. And then by the third or fourth, you could almost see the confidence drain away, um, which is unfortunate because he is, he is one of the um, oldest uh, keepers, active keepers in Serie A. Um, And imagine he's had ups and downs like this, but there are some days when you can try to do everything right, but everything goes wrong. And Napoli currently uh, sits fifth in the table with 17 points, tying with uh, Roma and Juventus. Just a reminder, they still have that penalty point back um, from the game against Juventus that they lost 3-0 by forfeit because they didn't show up. Mm-hmm. Um, but Napoli is definitely an exciting team and one that I think is part of the Scudetto conversation for sure. Chris, Atalanta. What ha- what's happening with Atalanta? They uh, lost... 2-0 at home against Verona. It's true that Verona have the best defense in the league with uh, with Juventus. They only considered seven goals so far. But I think that that shouldn't stop the best attack of last season from scoring, right? Or should it? Atlanta scored 98 goals last season and uh, they were uh, held back at home against Verona uh, after what they did over, over the week. They won 2-0 at Anfield against Liverpool. Why uh, do you think it's, again, fatigue? Uh, what did you see uh, go wrong with uh, Gasperini's Ben? Well, I, I'd like you to comment on this. When legs get tired, the, that final 5 or 10% isn't there. Mm-hmm. The truth is Atalanta dominated possession. I think the number was 57%. They took 18 shots of which only five were on target and they scored zero goals, right? Uh, while he's at Verona uh, with their lockdown defense. Uh, Speaking of lockdown, since it's trending. <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's, it's got, they had, there were, they only had eight shots on total, but two were on target and guess how many go in two, mm-hmm. right? So it's one of those things where I think that, Atalanta was a little unlucky and they were just a little fatigued from, from all the travel. And, you know, Verona is not a bad, Verona is a bad team to play if you're feeling leggy. Mm. Right. And the stars aligned for Verona. I thought it was a great win for them. Um, Hats off. Um, So if you're Atalanta, you've got some champions league work to do. Um, You hope that you're on the right side of the cut and you keep on charging on, I think, a schedule that's not 
particularly onerous uh, compared to what other teams are in Serie A. Let's not forget that Verona are seventh in the table. They tied at Juventus. They tied at AC Milan. And now they won at Atalanta. So they've also faced uh, already uh, three of the bigger teams in Serie A. And they're doing pretty well. Very mm-hmm. solid defensively. So kudos to, uh, to Juric, the coach. And kudos to uh, the goalkeeper that we've, we've praised over the past weeks, Silvestri. I mean, mm-hmm. if he has the best defense, he, he, must, he deserves some credit as well. Chris, I know you have a, um, a Lazio jersey sitting in your, uh, in your, in your drawer. I mm-hmm. think that you haven't pulled it out this week because Lazio lost 3-1 at home against Udinese again. And, uh, a big upset of the week. Um, I think that the problem with Lazio is still the lack of depth. I will continue to hold on to my thesis until Simone Inzaghi's men prove me wrong, but they play Champions League and they play uh, Serie A and they have a very similar roster uh, to the one they had last year. Uh, what do you think about them? Well, I, I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to add any, any new insight to the fact that their, their cupboard is a bit threadbare, right? They, mm-hmm. they don't have the, the depth that someone with the aspirations that they do and playing Champions League. So with respect to the loss against Udinese, you get a deflection, first goal, you're a little deflated, you're tired. Uh, You know, Udinese ended up uh, really putting together a a couple of very interesting combinations you wouldn't expect from them. True. And and lo and behold, you know, uh, they – Lazio had six shots on, on goal, um, of which only one went in. And Udinese had three shots on goal. Guess how many went in? Three. <laughs> so it's another one of those perfect Verona. storms, yeah. right? I mean, it's just Atalanta and Lazio were in the same position. And Lazio, they both dominated possession. They both had more shots, both on target and in general. It's just sometimes a ball uh, goes in, sometimes it doesn't. And... Uh, you know, that's hats off to Udinese for, for taking care of business. And, um, you know, I, I still wear the Lazio jerseys with, with pride, whether they win or lose. <laughs> and you said, uh, you said it right when you said that Udinese had some nice combinations. The first goal, true, it was a shot that was deflected from outside of the box. But let's look at how the, the play started. It started from the center back, uh, the center center back, because Udinese plays with three in the back, which becomes a five when defending. They had, I think, um, a web of eight passes that took them to the other side of the field. Um, but it was quick. It was uh, uh, with, uh, with patience and with pace. And then eventually, I think it was Pereira. He just laid it off, and there was a great shot from outside of the box. But very impressive the way, the way uh, they connected. Um, Lazio, so Lazio were down 3-0. And uh, it would have been a 3-0 loss if Immobile hadn't, I don't know if you saw it, but he won the PK by understanding that there was going to be a back pass. He read it before everybody else on the field. So started sprinting earlier, uh, got to the ball first. He just moved the ball uh, at, the, at the last second for a, a keeper, goalkeeper, Musso, to come out. He just, Musso just hit Immobile's ankles. Immobile went down and then just he buried the PK. But... Um, I, I like to see that Lazio are doing, are, are doing well in Champions League as well as Atalanta, right? 
Atalanta yeah. uh, are tied with Ajax uh, with uh, with seven points, uh, whereas Liverpool is first with nine. But Ajax have to go play at Anfield, uh, so Atalanta have good chances to go through. And um, and Lazio, uh, they're second. They're second, just one point behind Dortmund, and then Club Brugge is third uh, with four points. So I like that despite they're struggling in the league, they're doing very well um, in Europe, and they have great chances to go through. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said earlier, it's it's a six-game tournament in the group stages, and anything can happen. Mm. And thankfully, I think the City I executives are very happy to see that, you know, three out of their four teams are, are, are doing well um, in, in Champions League. And, you know, they happen to have some other teams that are doing well in Europa. So I think that City A is representing very well uh, this, this year. Absolutely. I'm just going to... Um pick one game that you guys should watch for this upcoming weekend. That's the Turin Derby, Juventus against Turin uh, on Saturday, uh, 12 p.m. Eastern time, uh, 6 p.m. local time in Italy for myself. Chris, great uh, going back to talking culture with you. Thank you so much for your time. Please, guys, enjoy the games, and uh, we will see you next week. A presto.